Time to get happy. Accentuate the positive with Curran Swain. With good news, reviews and interviews and the sounds of indie, folk, pop and rock. Always look on the bright side. You're on FM 99.3, accentuating the positive with Curran Swain. And I have a guest with me on Skype. His name is Vin Jiang. Vin is a speaker, an inspirational speaker, an entrepreneur and a magician. Good morning, Vin. Morning, Karen. How are you? I'm great, darling. So great to talk to you on Accentuate the Positive Radio. You've really inspired me. I saw you speaking. Where did I see you? Wide for Wonder. That's it. That's right. Yeah, that was that event. And there was a whole lot of speakers and I went through all the speakers to see who looked interesting and you popped out on me. So I had a look at your videos and I thought, wow, this guy's got something to say. Let me ask you, how did you get into being a magician and what was the process of wanting to be a magician? Well, the way I got into magic is not, I don't think it's how most kids got into it. Most kids got into it because they saw a magician and, and boom, wow, it's, it's so amazing. You know, for me, my family, Karen, uh, they're refugees from Vietnam. And growing up, I, I think reality for me up until I was about 18, 17 was, was quite harsh. I think um, we, we're going through extreme poverty. We didn't have a lot of money. Family was, was really not well off. And for me, magic was an escape. I'm not sure how many people can relate to this, but, but when I pick up a packet of cards, Karen, when I was young, when I was 12 or 11, I could be anything I wanted to be. You know, I could pick that packet of cards up. I could be, you know, I would start to act like a certain magician. I would start to act like David Copperfield and I'll feel like I'm, you know, and I feel really good. And I think I was addicted to the escape that magic offered me because I could play in the realm of my imagination. Mm, Whereas, you know, and, and you could just escape from reality. And no matter how bad I, how, how crappy I felt, I could, you know, help cards, sponge balls, and I could merely go to my friends and perform and we'd all be happy. So I think it was, it was an addiction to feeling good, um, an addiction to being in my own world, I think. So, you know, Vin, I've spoken to a lot of authors over the years, brilliant authors, and uh, one of my favourite ones, actually, Richard Bach, said the same thing. He could t- escape. I said to him, why are you so reclusive, Richard? And he said, well, I like to, I like the company of my imaginary friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and he would write about them, obviously, but he, he liked the company of his thoughts. He could, you yeah. know, intellect will take you so far, imagination will take you everywhere, is mm. the quote. And better to be addicted to your delicious thoughts than to something outside yourself like food or drugs or alcohol or something like that. Yeah, though I still think food is great. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm a big sucker for that. But, you know, I think that's the core reason why magic stuck with me as well. It wasn't just a phase. It was, it was something that has stuck with me since I was really, really young. So, so anytime I would find that things get hard in life, I'd, I'd turn to magic. And, and, and I think the reason why magic offers me so much happiness is not because I love playing with cards or coins or whatnot. It's because when you perform magic for other people, you know, there'll be nights when I was young, I'd just go to the city in, in Adelaide on Friday night and just perform for people randomly. And I have these embarrassing videos in 2006 I still have on YouTube. And I would, myself and my friends would all just go and perform for people. And when you perform for people, and people laugh and smile. It is the most, it's so infectious because when they start laughing and smiling, you laugh and smile and you feel good about yourself. And I think that's when I kind of realized there's so much more to magic than just, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's, it's when you give to somebody else without expecting anything in return. Because to me, I believe that's what magic is. When I perform something for you, I don't expect you to give me anything. You make someone genuinely happy. Wow. Does that make you happy yourself? Would you say that you'd be addicted to the reaction? 
Yeah. So you see, for the magician, it's no longer the magic because to us, it's clever methodology and a lot of hard work. Whereas we get addicted to, to how you react. Yeah, yeah. And oh, I, I've, seen, I've seen that with David Blaine. You know, I think I told you that I got obsessed with David Blaine, who's a, yeah. he, he is addicted to that reaction. So if he could do something yeah. that is as wild, as wild as he can get, that sense of amazement that people have when they see him do these crazy things, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think like you were saying on that topic, you know, the magic to the magician, it, it happens in the spectator's mind. Yeah. That's the most beautiful place because, you know, the human mind can create magic far beyond what a magician can do. I think that's, that's what I love so much about magic is that to you, I just made a card float into the air and fly away. I just think that is so beautiful that the human mind can actually comprehend that and, and make it make sense and see it happen when it's actually not happening in reality. So I'm fascinated with it. That's why I just believe the mind is capable of so much. It's such a beautiful place. It's such a beautiful place. It is. So how old were you when you decided that this was what you wanted to do? When I first got into magic, it was by accident. <laughs> Mum and dad, uh, like I said, when we were young, both of them would work seven days a week, you know, 16 hour days, two jobs. So after school, what would happen is dad would be on a lunch break and dad would quickly take us from school and drop us off at a state library because it's free childcare. Or me and my cousins and I would all be in the state library and I would always be playing with cards because my family, Chinese New Year, cards are left everywhere after Chinese New Year, Vietnamese New Year. So I would always get gifted cards as a child. So a librarian saw me and my cousins playing with cards and we were stacking card castles and one day... I don't know why, but she was about to throw out a book and she gave it to me before she threw it out and said, you might want to try this. And it was my first magic book. I think magic kind of found me right. cheesily enough. I think um, then from that was it. Australian's hand guide to magic. How and old were you, I was, 11? Uh, 12, 12. 12. And, before and, that, you know, you do a little bit of tricks here and there. but yeah. And what did mum and dad say when you said, hey? <laughs> oh, they, they thought to themselves, he wants to be a gambling cheat and cheat everybody's money. So <laughs> I think they freaked out a little bit. It wasn't until I think they realized how happy it made me. It was a constant struggle with mum and dad because they initially, when I was young, they thought, oh, he's not studying. He's not focusing on his studies. You know, he doesn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer. You know, <laughs> you know he doesn't want to fulfill the Asian prophecy. He just wants to continually play with cards and coins and do these magic tricks. But it was when I was about 15, 16, I moved schools five times. And I think mum and dad saw how much happiness it brought me during that difficult period. So, so they came to accept it as, as being something that was a part of me. Yeah. I've seen you do your talk where you're saying that when you first decided to do it, they, they disowned you. Yeah, there was a really strange period in my life where dad probably felt like he had one son. Was that a difficult time for you? I think, I think it was difficult for them. It wasn't difficult for me because okay. this is the thing, Karen. I think, I think when you genuinely believe something and, and you believe it with all your heart and, and everything you are as a human being, you believe it. To me, it, just, it was just inevitable. It's just going to take me time to get there. It's going to take me time to succeed. Whereas to them, it's like, oh, no, he's taking too much risk. Oh, that's... But to me, I, I've nev I never felt scared. I never felt... I think they were a lot more fearful than I was. To me, it was just... Well, if this time I don't do it, I'll try again. And if that time I don't make it, I'll try again. And Look, it's so yeah. great to have that sort of conviction that, uh, you know, that's what we all need. Because I think that a lot of people want to live their dreams. Yeah. They have something they're passionate about, but their doubts. What if I don't make it? What if I can't do it? So you yeah. never had those doubts. No, I, I think it's because my mum put so much self-confidence in me that it should have been illegal. <laughs> she, <laughs> because of where my parents have, have come from, they always taught me, 
you know, where you are today doesn't matter. It, it's where you want to go. That's what matters. So my parents said the same thing. My mom and dad always told me the story of them fleeing Vietnam and, and how, like I asked them, were they ever scared? And they're like, no, we weren't. We were, we were so excited, you know, because we knew there were times when we had to live in the present, but we knew there were times when we had to focus on the future. Because if we lived in the present all the time, it would be too difficult. So sometimes our escape is looking forward, not looking back and not looking where we are now, but just continue looking forward. So my mom taught me that resilience and she just so much self-confidence, you know, when I was young, you know, I, I was, I was quite a big kid and, you know, a lot of acne, braces, glasses and all these things. And, and my mom would always tell me how beautiful I am. She would tell me how good looking I am, you know, and, and as, as a young man, I, like, you know, that's so not cool. I was like, mom, stop saying that, you know, but it did so much for me. Like not only those things, tell me how smart I am when I got, uh, you know, a few B's or C's and telling me it's okay. You know, it's how we learn. All those things, my mom sacrificed her career. She, she, she didn't work. She stayed home with me every day. That, to me, built me to be the man I am today. Wow. So, wow. That's some mom, huh? This is why my parents live with me now. I, I bought my dream home and I said, listen, it's my turn to take care of you. And it's why I love my parents more than anything in the world. They're mm, mm. my heart and soul. Oh, it's so beautiful that your parents live with you. I mean, that's, you know, that's obviously something that comes from your culture as well. Like in Australia, not a lot of people are happy to have their parents live with them. I love that you do that. Yeah, well, let me, let me tell the people who are thinking about it who aren't doing it. I mean, there are so many benefits. Free babysitting when you have children. Guys, <laughs> do you know how expensive, like, childcare is? Mom and dad equals free, you know? Mom and dad cook for us every single day. So, I mean, look, don't paint me as too much of a saint. I mean... I love my parents to death, but, but having my parents here, you know, I, when I mind map, a part of my goal is my family unit. You know, I, I have an EBU in business, which is an effective business unit, but I have my family unit, you know, and, and mum and dad, you, you have no idea. I come home from, from two events. My fiance comes home from work after a 12 hour shift. There's beautiful meal. We're able to stay healthy because they, they cook these beautiful, authentic meals for us. And the house is ridiculously clean and I think mum and dad are worse off living with us because they clean they cook <laughs> they have to do so much so I, I benefit tenfold don't, don't, you know, don't there's, there's such wisdom in that there's just uh, I'm just thinking back to the days when I was a uh, first married with a baby gee I could have used that support too but in the Western household you don't think about having your parents you know they've got their lives they're doing their thing you're doing your thing and yeah, my parents were, well, one was dead and one was living his own life, but um, my, my mother-in-law was the same. She had her own life. Well, look, that, I, you know, that I, 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 think, I think there are still beauties in both. I think, yeah. you know, you wouldn't be the woman, you wouldn't be as independent as you are and successful as you are if you didn't have those years where you had to be on your own and, and, and fend for yourself. So I think there's beauty among everything. It's just really how we see it. Mm. And, you know, even in my situations, there are some people who would take it for granted and never become independent, never become a leader and, you know, never be able to influence their community for the better because they're just within their comfort zone. So I think there are traps in both worlds and it really just depends on the individual. Mm. So I think a bit of both would be great. You know, you've mm. got to be independent and you've got to have your family. So, yeah. so you've yeah. gone from strength to strength, Finn. When did it start really taking off for you? The magic begun, but the speaking the speaking is what really took off and as well as my online business, but the speaking first, I, I never intended to be a speaker. Mm. I always loved business and entrepreneurship and I never thought about being a speaker. And one day in 2012, I was speaking at an entrepreneurial event. And when I spoke there, a man named David Griggs saw me speak from South Australia, an amazing man. And he saw me speak and I walked off stage and he said to me, I think you have something, young man. And I was like, okay. And he goes, look, trust me, don't worry about who I am, but just... 
my name is David. I want you to speak at another two events for me. And, and I want to really see if you have what I think you have. And I, at that point thought, this guy seems a bit creepy. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit scary. And then, and then I thought, so I did it. Cause he goes, just look, the stars are aligning and just, just do it. You've got something. And I spoke at the two events and he said, you have what I think you have speak at one more. And I did. And after I did the third one in the crowd was an agent from a speaking organization and they signed me up on the spot. And that, that's how my speaking career kind of just started. And it wasn't until I realized that in speaking, it's all about making the medicine taste good. That was the lesson that helped me soar in the world of speaking is I can say all the things I want to say, but if I can't make it entertaining, then uh, people forget it. So what would be your message? What are you relaying in your speaking message? Because obviously you're doing some magic. You're yeah. amazing people. Yeah. And, and what are you leaving them with? My big message in my talk is that there's nothing amazing about me, but there's something extremely amazing about the lessons I've learned. And that, you know, that just humanizes me. I think too many people put me on a pedestal as well. And I'm, sometimes I sit back and I think, gosh, I feel like such a fraud because yeah. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just the same as all of you. Uh, you put me up here, but I don't belong up there. I, I'm, I'm exactly the same as everybody. And I think my message is I'm the same as you. You're the same as me. If I can do it, you can do it too. And, and what I've really seen with my own eyes, Karen, is that you can do anything you want to do. You know, I learned that philosophy through magic because how does a magician create the impossible? We can only create the impossible by taking the first step, right? And I think it's just, that's the message. Anything is possible. You just have to believe it is and live in that way. Some people call it foolish, but if they call it foolish, I hope I stay foolish forever. <laughs> I, hope, I hope I never get wise because I'm living the life I am now because I've dared to be foolish. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've dared to go against what other people say. And I, I just want to ignite that fire in others and just say that all you need is the right mindset, the correct methodology, and just, just sheer persistence, and you'll get there. Look, it's all about mindset. It's all about focus, which is something that I teach as a teacher of deliberate creation. Where is your focus? Because obviously, when you're moving through life, you tend to focus on what you're thinking and really not what's what's in front of you, like what's happening around you. And you mm. demonstrate that beautifully in one of your videos. Do you want yeah. to talk about that? Yeah, it's the sole reason why magic works. Yes. Magic works because you have a limited amount of focus. Mm -hmm. So magicians understand exactly linguistically, visually, how to manipulate that focus so that I could be doing something right in front of you, but you're, you're literally blind to what yes. I'm doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I think that just really shows how powerful distractions are. Yeah. And it also shows how limited our focus is. And, you know, psychology just a few years ago has just debunked uh, multitasking. It's not real. You can't do it. And, and again, I think that speaks again to how limited our focus is. So this is why it's the same thing. I don't use flight mode just on the plane, on my phone, okay? Every single morning for me, 9 to 12, I genuinely, on, on, on a work day when I'm not on holidays, I don't take any calls because it's on flight mode and my Wi-Fi is off my office as well because I disconnect so that I can focus. You know, we're living in such a noisy world now where it's no longer just magicians fooling you. You're fooling yourself. You're misdirecting yourself. I think it's, it's so important to understand how you focus, the environment in which you need to create for you to focus because without that focus, you're just going to be fooled time and time and time again, week in, week out, year in, year out. So. Well, you know, one of the things that creates focus, obviously, is the media. And I talk about oh, yeah. this all the time. Yeah. And something that's happened, you know, recently with the siege, 
you know, when it first started unfolding, I was watching it on television. I'm thinking, oh, my God, the media is having a field day with this. You know, they're blowing it all out of proportions. They're talking about the horror and the terror. And really, at that point, it was one nut with a gun putting people in as a hostage. But the media were just like creating this. They're a bit like magicians in many ways. They're sort of creating this focus that it becomes all-encompassing. And you forget to see what's around you. But what was beautiful about what happened was that after the siege ended, the people started to create the focus. And the focus became about the flowers and the love and the connection and the sorrow and the love. And and that was something that I thought was really, really magical. And that expanded people's focus outside of the terror and the drama to to something more, to something better, to something beautiful. Yeah. And I think that just goes to show how powerful focus is again. I immediately thought to myself that, my goodness, once this happened, you know, the poor families, our hearts go out to them. I just thought people, people would never go to that cafe again because of the tragedy. And it just showed how if people focused on the negative, no one would go to the cafe again. Yeah. But because every, everybody focused on the positive and, 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 you know, focusing on empowering Australia and the families, they thought, you see everywhere in social media, that first day that cafe opens, I'm going in there to grab a coffee. Wow. Like, yeah. like, can you see? And I saw this in the media. And, and this, I think, again, demonstrates how powerful focus is. Yeah. You know, what you focus on dictates what you see. Yes. And what you see dictates how you live. Yes. Right? Yes. So, so it, it, it's so beautiful that people are able to, to focus on the right thing in those moments. And I think what a, what a beautiful metaphor to then go, am I focusing on the right things in my own life right now? Mm-hmm. Because there are tragedies that happen to ourselves that are just as bad sometimes. And, and do we focus on the right thing? Or, you know, metaphorically, are we never going to go to that cafe again? Or will we go there the next day it's open? And I think it's, it's one of those things where it really highlights how powerful the human mind is. Oh, so powerful. I remember seeing once, um, I think it was on the Oprah show, there was a woman that was in so much grief and trauma, her daughter had died tragically. But years before, maybe 15 years before, and she'd been in grief for all this time, and there was some guru on Oprah talking to her and said, why do you focus just on that five minutes that was her death and yeah. not the 25 years that was her life? Wow. You know, yeah. that, that was exactly a powerful right. because there was this five minutes where she was tragically murdered or however she died, I can't remember, that the woman kept repeating in her mind over and over and over again. And mm. just, this woman sat there in her grief and her face changed and she looked up and out and she said, I never thought about it like that before. And, you wow. know, it's those moments of insight and enlightenment yeah. that I just love to shift someone's mindset mm. from negative to positive and, and to create a better feeling. Like that's what I think is the best thing. You know, I, I think people who suffer like that for a long time, it's because they fall victim to asylum mentality. Yeah. You know, they, they're trapped in their own heads. Yeah. And, and, and that's what that's what I think is really dangerous. You know, see the moment she collaborated and, and she spoke to somebody else immediately, they share a completely different perspective that just boom, blows her mind. So that, that, that's why it's, it's so important to, to me. I collaborate with people so often, you know, every fortnight I'd bring somebody into my business, my speaking business or my online business and go, I have three problems I want to share with you. Can you share with me three of your problems? Now, I don't know if I can solve yours. I don't know if you can solve mine, but that's fine. But I just want fresh eyes on these problems because I'm stuck. I've been stuck on these for so long. You know, nine times out of 10, no one can help me. But one of those times out of 10, somebody says something that just blows your mind. Mm -hmm. And it's so simple, but you just do not see it. I know. You don't see it. It's like your magic trick. When you show people the magic trick, it's, 
why didn't I see it? It's so obvious. It's yeah. so and, and, simple. And, and for those listening, if they wanted to find it, it's just called Psychological Illusion mm-hmm. and type in my name, Vin Jiang, you'll find it. And I think just kind of experience it to, to know what it's really like. And, and when you watch the second part of the video, you just be like, wow, I didn't notice that. You know, I think that's, it just highlights again, our focus is so limited Mm. and, and the, the human mind is trained to focus on the problem. I have to tell you something, Vin. I was down uh, at my brother's place recently and I showed them that video, that video of you doing the card trick. And my brother, he's in computers. He's super, super, super intelligent. Yeah. And his wife is in retail and she does merchandising and she has a real eye for detail. So I showed yeah. it to her and her two children and my brother didn't see any of the changes at all. And he's a super intelligent guy, right? But yeah. my sister-in-law looked at me. She said, everything changed. <laughs> she wow. saw all of them. And I was fascinated to see the two minds, how they looked at it. Because she's in merchandising and she a, has a real eye for detail. She notices everything about you. She noticed wow. everything, yeah. But my brother didn't notice anything. It was really interesting because he's super intelligent. But he was, he was obviously focusing on the card trick and not looking at outside. He was trying to work out the card trick, whereas her focus was going all over the place, like, look at that and look at that and look at that, which is exactly how their minds work. He's super focused wow. and she's not. So it was really interesting to see how they reacted to it. Mm. It's great. It means her strengths are his weaknesses and his weaknesses are her strengths. It's good. They make a good team. Absolutely, they do. Absolutely. Very good team. Very good team. It's, it's amazing. You know, you, if you want to change your life, change what you focus on. It, it can be that simple. Darling, that's the message. That is my message. Message for New Year. Let's um, put that message out for next year. You want to change your life, change what you're focusing on. Hence, I have the radio show, you know, Accentuate the Positive is not just a name of a radio show. It's actually a way to live your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and literally, that's is one of the easiest things to do in the world. I, I, just, I just always change what I focus on when I'm not happy with what I'm doing. That's it. It's simple, but people think it's too simple that it won't work. So that's, that's the barrier you have. Yeah. Our mind overcomplicates things. Yeah. It's what we do. So you would say that that was the secret to your success? When I'm not happy, I focus on what makes me happy. Would that be the secret to your success? Well, you know, I, I think there are many things and, you know, I wouldn't even call it a secret. I think we've all known it. Philosophers since, you know, the beginning of time have known about it. But there, there were so many little things that have helped me succeed. I, it would be so difficult to say it's the one thing. But I have to say, if I had to pick one, it was my family. I think that's what it was for me. I mean, I'm human. You know, I fall, I cry, I laugh, I get really excited. I take really bad risks and make really bad mistakes. Mm. And the one thing that has saved me time and time again is my mum and my dad. My dad would always have the perfect story to tell me. He would always have <laughs> the perfect lesson. You know, and he only ever did year eight in Australia and failed that. So, but he is the smartest man alive to me. And my mum is the same thing. So... The secret really to me being who I am today, I think it's, it's my mum and dad. And a lot of people think, it, you know, oh, it's, I have an amazing mind, have this. Look, it's not. It's because I have, amazing, I have an amazing family. Yeah. I think that's, that's what I'm blessed to have. So I'm hearing it's support. In 2015, I'm putting on some events called The Difference Makers. One of the first speakers that I have is a woman that I spoke to this year on the show called Jen Harwood, and she has written a book called The Greatness Principle. She says, when you see people that are really successful, she says, like a tennis player, for instance, look who's in their box. It's not just Mm. their girlfriend. It's their coach, their mom, their dad, their best friend, their PR person, their manager. You know, she said, there's a team of people around you that 
help make you great in anything you do. And she calls this team the greatness principle. And she says that in our personal lives, as well as in our professional lives, we need to create a team of at least eight people. It can't be just your wife or your mum and dad. I mean, these people represent like your best mate that you can sort of go out and party with when you need an uplift. And the sage is like a coach or wise or maybe your dad. Your dad is your sage. You've already said that. Yeah, I've got many mentors. This is something from my dad. He taught me as well. And I think I I do agree with you, definitely. Mm. But I also think it's about the books that you read too. So sometimes you can't reach certain mentors. You can't get to certain people. But my father would always tell me, when you read a book, you harvest the knowledge of a lifetime, of somebody's life. So that's why to my dad, you know, since I was young, my dad made me every single year, I had to tick off 10 books with him, Ah. you know? So I think, you know, I've read close to 200 books in my life. And I think that really is, it's like I have 200 mentors and and you'll find me, I'll I'll run into a problem one of these days and I'll be like, oh my goodness, I remember that book written by this this gentleman here, but it was a book, you know, it might've been Martin Eden or something. And I remember that book being about how important life is and the meaning of life. And, and, all these things have given me the wisdom of, of, of so many. So I, th- I think what, what happens, and this is where people fall, I think people are approaching their problems with not enough knowledge. So I think it can be people around you, so you're leveraging their knowledge, but I think it's also important to build your own knowledge. So you'll react to a certain situation based on the knowledge that you have at that moment in time. Whereas you take another person who's more knowledgeable, they may not react the same way as you. They may not give up, they may keep going. So I think it, why limit it to eight people? Why not have 200 people in your head? Why not have, you know? <laughs> Well, eight people that you can actually go and have a conversation with. So listen, Definitely. What's, in, what's in the future for Vin Jiang? I think for me, it's, to me, my father has always said to me, and I, I want to quickly share this with you, if you don't mind. My dad, this was when I was 21, we were watching TV and my dad uh, asks me a question out of the blue. Dad always does this. It's like he's testing what kind of man I am. He says, Son, okay, imagine this. A stranger comes to the door, knocks on the door and says, I want, you know, can I stay with your family this evening? What would you do? So I remember telling my dad, definitely not dad, protect the family. I'll tell him to go away or I'll call the police, tell him to get lost. And I kid you not, my dad smacks me across the head with his hand at the age of 21, still smacks me. (laughs) And it really hurt. And I thought, what the hell, dad? And my dad immediately said to me, why would you do that? 31 years ago, our family knocked on the door of Australia and we were complete strangers. And Australia said, come and live with us. We'll give you a home. We'll give you food. We'll give you clothes. So my dad said to me, you are forever in your life in debt to this country, to the Australian people, to your home. And my dad has put into me a deep desire to give back to my home. So to me, I really want to be able to give what I have to everybody here in our home in Australia. So I think the best gift I have to offer is I understand how powerful being able to present actually can be. If you can present and communicate effectively, it's amazing what you can achieve in your life. That's what I feel at the moment in my life is, is the best asset I have to share. So my father's always taught me to share that. So, you know, that's what I'm doing right now, Karen. I, I'm, I have a lot of teams where I, I teach them how to communicate more effectively. And then it helps you with work, your career, your dreams, but also helps you at home with your spouse, you know, your children. That's, to me, I think what I have that is most valuable is my ability to communicate. So open, empowering, vulnerable and empowering communication. Yeah, I, I, think, I think so. And, and, and that's, that's what I want to share. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the next thing for me. And, and that's the most fulfilling thing in the world. Oh, too beautiful, darling, too beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on Accentuate the Positive Radio and having a chat with us. It's been such a joy. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And where can people find out more about you? 
Look, I've got a Facebook page. So if you just search Ask Vin, A-S-K-V-I-N-H, they'll be able to find me. Okay. I just post things up about what I'm doing. and. Uh, well, hopefully we can get you to one of the Difference Makers events in 2015 at some stage. If not, if you're too busy in 2015, maybe 2016, but uh, we'll get you hey, we'll get you to if Sydney. If I'm in Sydney and our diaries align, more than yeah, happy Yeah, we'll make it happen. All right, Thanks. honey, have a fabulous new year and catch you next year. Thank you, you too. Bye for now. You've been listening to Karen Accentuating the Positive on FM 99.3. I've been talking with Vin Jiang. He is a magical magician, inspirational speaker and entrepreneur. You can find out more about Vin on his Facebook page. Go to Vin Jiang on Facebook. He also has a website, vinjiang.com.au.